Sarah, welcome to another episode of Life Unleashed. Today we're going to talk about the deal with e-collars and negative reinforcement training. Before we start, I want to say I totally get it. Life can be frustrating enough when your dog is misbehaving, you just want them to stop. We all have so little time. And that idea that we could just shout releases our frustration with the expectation that your dog would uh, conceptualize what's frustrating you and be able to stop the behavior or just being able to strap on like a magical e-collar and zzz, you zap or you vibrate or you buzz and the problem goes away. And the situation is sometimes it does. Like when you zap a dog that's about to steal like buns from the barbecue, um, they'll stop for sure. And you'll think, wow, that's magic, it worked. First of all, it's not that creative, right? If you put a shot collar on me and I was reaching for a cake and I got buzzed, I wouldn't keep reaching for that cake, trust me. But it wouldn't stop me from reaching for other cakes or cookies or candy. It would just be that cake. And thus, if you wanted me to stop eating sweets, I'd need to wear the e-collar all day, every day. And every time I reach for something, you need to be hyper vigilant to that moment and buzz me. So as you can probably guess, I'm not even a little proponent of e-collars and negative reinforcement training. And a lot of people kind of push me on it and I love a good controversy or love a good argument. So I'm gonna kind of have one with myself devil's advocate on one shoulder, little angel on the other. It's not good versus bad, but it's all about what it does to your dog's soul. I know it's a big word, but it really is important to think about it because it does winnow over. There are a lot of similarities between husband and wife or partner and partner. Um, it does win over to children, but specifically even cats, but specifically I'm going to talk about dogs. So negative reinforcing a dog's behavior focuses on what the dog is doing wrong. It's less about what the dog's doing right. It's more about what the dog's doing wrong and how to stop them. Recently, within the past two decades, it has started employing the use of battery-operated collars that um, affix to your dog's neck with little transmitters that kind of poke into their trachea. Now you can take that negative reinforcement, like um, another example would be like pulling their collar or shouting at them or hissing and poking at them with your fingers. Hard to believe we do this, but it takes it to the next level, right? Because with a shock collar, you can correct them even when they're in the next room or you can correct them when they're like across a field or across your yard. So negative reinforcement has expanded into like the technological world. So the two things your dog or any person or cat in your house, any mammal wants to feel at all times is safe and trusting. So they want, they want to feel safe when they're within your home and they want to have someone to trust, to feel connected to. The enemy of that is fear and hypersensitivity. So if a dog is afraid, they can't connect and they definitely don't feel safe. 
when a dog is hypersensitive, they're always kind of looking around waiting for that shoe to drop. So the enemy of trust and safety is fear hypersensitivity. When you are using negative reinforcement, let's put that under the microscope. If you're using negative reinforcement, you're going to be hyper-focused on what your dog is doing wrong or might do wrong. Most people don't have the timing of like a professional trainer. Let's say you're like, hmm, I don't wanna shock my dog right away. I wanna give them a vibration to warn them. I wanna let them know that if they don't settle down and march to the beat of my drum, I'm gonna shock them. So you do this vibration or you make this sound in their ear. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone strapped a collar with electrodes pointing into my trachea and suddenly rang a bell in my ear, all I would feel is startled or petrified because where is this loud noise coming from? Why am I like, why is my skin suddenly vibrating? That would make me feel very afraid. I would stop whatever I was doing. I would avoid doing that thing but it wouldn't be addressing why I did the thing in the first place and how to teach me not to do that thing in other circumstances. So here are a lot of reasons why people tell me they use a negative reinforcement collar, an e-collar. They say, my dog grabs things off um, the table or my dog jumps on company or my dog growls when I walk near them. Now, if we pair that, to shocking the dog in their den, AKA your home. Your home is their den, it's where they wanna feel safe. But now if we or, or shock them, that startle response doesn't get paired back to their behavior. It gets transposed on the situation that caused the behavior. So if your dog's, let's say, jumping on company, and you shock them for doing that in order to tell them not to do that, they're actually going to pair that shock with people coming into your house. Let's say you're like, well, my dog pulls on a leash. I wanna teach them not to pull on a leash. So my trainer told me to put this collar on. Every time my dog sees a dog, starts to pull on the leash, I zap them or I ring a bell in their ear, vibrate their head. The logic behind that is again, a dog has a very small brain, the dog pairs that negative reaction. Maybe it's just a prong collar. Jerk the prong collar when they see another dog to get them to stop pulling. They pair that negative response to the dog, not to what they're doing in the moment. So now you have a dog that was a little leash reactive or puppy-like with people when they came in and suddenly that dog is afraid and defensive against it. So it has been shown in scientific studies that the use of negative reinforcement collars, prong collar to e-collar, choke collar, actually makes a dog more reactive to the circumstances in which it's been used. And further, it doesn't make them feel happy. The biggest compliment I get with my dogs is, oh my God, they're so happy and chill. I don't want someone to say, oh my God, they're so well-trained. When I meet somebody on the street or coming into my house, I'm not like, sit, sit, sit. 
I'm not giving them commands. I'm not demanding they go sit on a mat. I want them to feel happy to greet people. And just like everybody else, just like you, when my dogs were puppies, they were nippy and they were jumpy and they didn't have really good control of their impulses, but I used a different approach to teaching them their manners than someone who uses negative reinforcement. I'll tell you about that on another episode that'll be called How I Train My Dogs. But today, we're simply focused on how negative reinforcement influences learning and bonding. I think the bonding to me is the most important part. So this morning, I uh, went to a home and there was a 120 pound Doberman who had already bitten five people, whose name is Charlie and who was uh, described to me in videos as somewhat menacing. So I arrive at the house to this menacing Doberman. I don't believe any dogs are menacing. I believe aggression is most commonly the bodyguard of fear. So unless the dog shows me otherwise, um, I wanna soothe that fear. I come in very maternal, wanting to figure out why that dog is suffering. So I go to the door, I knock the door, I'm standing, relaxed. Charlie sniffed me all over. He's huge, by the way. Huge, focused on me like white on rice. So I go in, I sit down, get a cup of water. We're talking over the various incidents. And I'm aware of Charlie, I'm watching Charlie. He's sniffing my bag. Every time he comes near me, I'm like an animated Pez dispenser. Every time he looks at me, I'm flinging a treat in the air. Pretty soon, Charlie's like, wow, this is a super fun game. I like this lady. She's like a, you know, a pinata. Haven't had this much fun in a while. So, A, I don't buy that he's aggressive. B, I ask the woman immediately to remove the e-collar and turn it off because it's beeping green and to just relax that we got this, that I'm going to explain it all. So, here's Charlie. All of a sudden, his demeanor changed. He's no longer on edge. I'm not staring at him because to a dog, direct eye contact is confrontational and especially to a dog that is showing aggression. If I stare him down, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life, if anybody stared me down, I'd be scared out of my pants. Now, they were under the perception that they had to dominate and be alpha over this dog. So they were doing all sorts of things. They were yelling at him. They were taking stuff away. And then she took me back. He's like four years old. So they take him back to childhood. What was he like in childhood? He was so happy. He was jumping. And he would um, love to steal things. And we'd chase him all over the house. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then, you know, how did you, like, try to stop him from those things? Shouted. They got a trainer in early on. He's five or six months, put an e-collar on him. And he's had a toxic brew of that for the past four years. Shock collar, screaming, jerking. All this did for this sweet, happy-go-lucky, friendly Doberman, a watchdog, mind you. So they will use aggression when somebody comes into their den. But now his personality which is, you know, cheerful, happy. He started getting defensive back. And one asked, well, why? Why did he not show that behavior until the age of three? Well, 
one reason is obviously because they were hyper vigilant to the negative behavior and every time he just they zap him or vibrate him or ring you know crazy sounds in his ear so that makes him hyper like nervous and aware and there was also a lot of hissing and poking and shouting and grabbing they would grab things away from him people hands are forgiving not for grabbing repeat after me hands are forgiving not for grabbing if you grab things away from a dog you're acting like a dog and not like a very nice dog you are saying if you don't give that to me right now i'm gonna snatch it away from you please don't do that the first thing i teach a puppy is drop it i take a treat cup they have something maybe they should have maybe they shouldn't they don't know it's just a thing and I shake the tree cup, and when they spit it out to get the high little snack I'm gonna give them, I say, drop it. Drop it is a game. Drop it is fun. So if they have a bone that they're allowed to have, I say, drop it, and I give them a little treat, walk away, leave the bone. Now, if they have something I don't want them to have, I still say, drop it, same way, but now I throw the treats way over to the left or the right. And they have to leave to get the treats, and I can get, you know, whatever it is, my purse or napkin or whatever the thing is. So, back to diagnosing this dog. So when I read over the form, it seemed like there might be some turquoise aggression, like him being too intense when people came in. A Doberman will always bark, right? But I wasn't sure if the bites were happening then. Definitely resource guarding was going on. And then questionably some dominance aggression. So I went in, I asked my series of questions. Meanwhile, the dog's got his head in my hand. And I'm loving, I love dogs, I mean, insane. I adore this dog already. I asked them to take me around the house and show me where all his beds were placed. It's like an old kind of funky house with like a hallway here and a hallway there and a center room and like three hallways going off and then there's a room. So first thing I see when I walk in is that center room, the dog's blankie, Charlie's blanket is on the couch centered so he can watch all the hallways and he's on the edge of the room and I said well where do you sit in this room when you're watching TV and they said over there so they position themselves in the far corner of the room and Charlie's on the piece of the couch that's focused kind of central to the kitchen and these hallways so I said hmm so then they showed me a couple other rooms where they had Charlie's bed and always I noticed Charlie's bed is right up against the doorway, right? And then they would sit behind at a desk or their bed would be behind. So when you walk through and into that room, the first thing you're going to meet up with is Charlie. Hence, Charlie started getting protective of these zones and not liking people to walk too close to his piece of the couch and nor too close to his various blankies which he suckled so why is that important it's kind of a thing that's in the doby genome this suckling behavior but animals suckle to self-soothe and an animal with true offensive aggression isn't going to need to self-soothe when there are people uh, unfamiliars around because it will be on high defense right so right away I know this is okay it's defensive aggression he's suckling to calm himself down so we walk through all the bite scenarios and I asked the woman to show me something in the back of the house that uh, Charlie likes and she walked around the kitchen island 
and slid by the outside hallway. And I said, why did you, aren't we going back there? And she said, well, I'm afraid of Charlie. I said, you're afraid of Charlie? Well, there's a problem. And she said, well, I didn't used to be, but anytime someone that he doesn't know is in the house, I get very nervous he's gonna bite them. So again, I'm not afraid because I already can kind of sense Charlie's soul and why he's reacting because it's been negative reinforcement every step of the way. So I took the tree cup, which is um, full of like sweet potato bites and some other biscuits of some sort. I, I put all these into a cup. I shook the cup, I gave him a couple treats. He picked up right away. Wow, that cup shakes, it means I'm getting a prize. And all dogs, like all kids and even grownups, love prizes, right? So I shake the cup and I walk sideways to him. So not front facing, not straight at him. I walk sideways kind of facing the wall as I'm flicking treats behind me. And I've already seen that he loves these treats and he loves when I flick them. So I flick them, I walk down the hallway, no reaction. The woman, poor thing, is like sweating bullets at this point. And I said, 95% of my work with you or more is human behavior modification for dogs. In his heart, I think Charlie is a sweet dog, but if everybody keeps yelling at him, he is showing signs of resource guarding. And he's not exactly clear if someone approaches what their intentions are because he's been yelled at too much. He's been shocked when people are in the house for going near them. He's very on edge. But with me, because I'm not on edge and I'm relaxed, he could develop a quick trust of me, a quick relation that I wasn't there to harm him. By the way, don't do this stuff at home because Charlie is a totally different case than your dog. Every dog is their own unique individual. So anyhow, I'm just describing this case to you and the fact that negative reinforcement and e-collar training caused this dog, in my opinion, to lose five good years of his life. He felt safe and trusting only when it was just the mother and the daughter at home. He had lost his comfort zone with the husband and the son and the reason is because they were unpredictable and they relied on negative reinforcing to control his behavior. So listen carefully, because people say, well, then why is, he, why is he happy when my husband and son come home if he's so afraid? It's the same reason an abused child tries to please their abusive parents. You know, if that's all you know and that's all you've got, then that's normal but it doesn't mean you're gonna be happy and well-adjusted. So meanwhile, I'm going around the house and I'm first thing I'm doing is reorganizing the bedding and I'm teaching reteaching place and place stay and down. And of course he loves it, why? Because nobody ever used treats to help shape his learning curve. And now I am and he's having a lot more fun with it which is the point. You either treat through fun and trust or you teach through fear and uh, reactivity. We don't do it that way. So now he's like kind of jiving, it's all good. You know, it's just our first lesson. So the other thing I noticed is that anytime Charlie wanted his mom's attention, he would just go over and paw or nose her for it. So I taught her that right now Charlie's kind of training you. Like, give me a head scratch now. 
I wanted her to focus this first week on directing his behavior. So I instructed her to take her hands, cover her face. First time she did this, Charlie got very upset, paced around, howled, made a scene. Then we taught Charlie to sit and watch. And then she gave him attention. So what Charlie learned quickly is that, oh, that old stuff doesn't work, but if I sit and look at her and I'm patient and I have all four paws on the floor, she'll give me attention, she'll give me rewards, she'll play ball with me. So these are the first two lessons in helping Charlie learn to reference people for direction. What we figured out with Charlie and what I described is Charlie's not an aggressive dog. Charlie is a dog that uses aggression to protect his resources, whether those resources are a bone or a toy or his mom or a place on the couch. So I'm happy to answer any questions you send. So feel free to pop on over to my Instagram, leave a question in the comments. But bear in mind, this whole podcast is asking you to think deeply about negative reinforcement training and the use of e-collars. It is easy and I would say lazy to strap an e-collar on a dog and get them to stop a behavior by simply zapping a button or a bell or a vibrating. It, a monkey could do it. However, you have to think about the cost it has on your relationship. You have to think about the cost for your dog's mental state of being. And you have to think about what kind of relationship do I want to have with my dog? Play training, focusing on what they're doing right and encouraging that, having a relationship where they not only trust you, but they trust humans in general, leaves the dog happier, relaxed, less reactive, less hypervigilant, less triggered than a dog that is only trained with criticism and force. So there you have it. In my humble opinion, please don't use e-collars. Please don't use a heavy dose of negative reinforcement. Um, look at your dog as a very simple creature. Remember that little tiny brain in there? They're focused on what's going on in their sensory world and they're not spending their day pondering what you're thinking or what is important to you. Dogs are simple, they're pets, they are not our children. They are not our partner, and the love we give them comes back tenfold if only we keep their tails wagging. So thanks for tuning in today. Feel free to send your questions in this week to my Instagram account, and um, I'll catch up with you soon.